Well, greetings and welcome to the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And this is David Carnes, and as always, just a joy to be back with you today. And as we come back together now, we are still walking through that text out of John chapter 4 where Jesus is having a discussion with a Samaritan woman. You remember that, the woman at the well. And he is there to share with her eternal life. Now, you remember that we're putting together a sermon series that we are calling the Principles of Evangelism. And today, what we're doing is we're just moving into the fifth principle that we can pull out of this text. And point number five in all this is something that we're going to refer to as the gospel promotes true worship. Now, you hear that, right? The gospel promotes true worship. And what we are going to see is, as this woman comes to see her sin... She then comes to see her need to repent. And what she wants to do is she wants to come to God, get right with God, demonstrate her love for God. And let me say that when someone comes to faith in Jesus, a natural response in that person's life is that person wants to worship God. As a matter of fact, one reason God saves a person is so that person can worship him. And so today, What we're going to do is we're going to begin taking a look at true worship, such an important part of the believer's life. And so we're going back to John chapter 4. The text begins with verse 20, and today we're going to go through verse 22. And so if you have your Bible close by, take it now, turn with me to John chapter 4 and verse 20 as we spend time in God's Word. Looking at your Bibles with me, do this. But again, you look at your Bibles, and again, after the woman says in verse number 19, when she says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now you look at verse number 20, and the woman continues to speak, and here are her words. Look at verse number 20 with me. Verse number 20 says, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Now, those are the words of this woman. Now, we're going to stop right there. And let me say that when we read this, we look at this and we say, okay, she is now making a statement to the Lord Jesus. Looks like a statement that she makes. Let me do this, and I'm going to submit to you that, yes, we can look at that and say that is a statement, but let me submit embedded in that statement, really what she is doing is asking a question. There's a question that really is embedded in this statement. And the question is, because you ask, okay, what could the question be? The question is this. She is asking Jesus, sir, where do I go to worship? That's what she's asking when she makes that statement. Where do I go and worship? That's the purpose of the statement. That's what's behind what she is saying. And understand that at this point, again, she is convicted of her sin of her immoral lifestyle, five husbands. Now she's living with a man that she is not married to. And when she comes to see her sin, when she comes to see her need for a savior from her sin, she knows that she needs God. Again, this is where she is. She knows that she needs a savior. And again, as conviction kicks in, her response is what? Her response now is, I need to worship God. This is what I need to do. I need to get right with God. 
That's what I need to do. And so at this point, she's asking Jesus, okay, Jesus, where do I go to do this? Because now I need to do this. And understand, one aspect, one result, when someone comes to faith in Christ, an automatic response is, I got to worship him now. This is what I've got to do. And so this is what's being said here. And you look back at, at the verse, you look back at verse number 20 again, you notice the woman, what does she do? In verse number 20, she brings up two distinct places, doesn't she? That's what she does. She brings up, first of all, she brings up this mountain. You see this, this mountain. Now, what is that a reference to? That is a reference to the place that, first of all, Jesus and this lady, this woman, they were at. They were at the location called Mount Gerizim in Samaria. This is the mountain. That, by the way, was the location, and understand this, but that, by the way, was the location of the temple that the Samaritans had built for their place of worship. And so that is where she is. And so she brings up the Samaritans' temple at this point. Now, she also brings up her forefathers in all of this. You see that. The forefathers who worshiped there, those who years earlier who had built this temple, but she brings them up as well. But those people in the north, the Samaritans, what had they done? They had built a temple. They had built a place of worship. By the way, just to bring this out as well, the Samaritans had held on to some of the beliefs of Judaism. They did not give all the beliefs away. For example, they held on to the first five books of Scripture called the Pentateuch. They held on to that. They also held on to parts of the sacrificial system. but they had intermarried and they had brought in then the false pagan religions. So in actuality, they began to follow a false religion full of false gods. But don't miss this. They did have their place of what they called worship. They had their place of worship. It was on Mount Gerizim at the temple. But then again, you look back at verse number 20 and we need to bring this out. But you look back at verse number 20 once again and you see that the woman then also brings up Jerusalem, doesn't she? She brings up Jerusalem, and she makes the comment that for the Jews, that they had that place of worship in the city of Jerusalem. And here she's making a reference to the temple that was there. And so she brings up two places of worship, doesn't she? That's what she does. And, and with that said, what I want you to see at this point is this. As conviction came to her life, there came this overwhelming desire for her to come to God, again, to get right with God, to worship God, to praise God, to acknowledge his love for her and her love for him. I mean, that was her desire at this point, and I'm going to say it again, but one outflow of salvation is when you come to Christ, you just want to worship him and you want to praise him. And so she's asking Jesus, so again, where do I go to do this? I want to do this. Where do I go? I want to repent. I want to get right with God. I want to praise him. But where do I go to do this? That's what she's asking. Now, understand this. But in this woman's mind right here, now hear me on this. What we see is for her, worship meant you had to go to a certain place. That was her mindset when it came to worship. I can't worship unless I'm at a certain place, a location. 
Worship for her was all about a location. And we could even say that right here, what we are also seeing is the woman thought that worship was all about rituals, that it was all about ceremonies. In other words, and I want you to hold on to this, but it, for her, it was all about externals. Remember this. And, and hear me, but this is how so many people see worship. That worship is about a building. And unless you have the right building, you can't worship. Well, I can't worship unless I'm in the right church building. This is the mindset of so many people. So many people have the mindset, I can't worship unless I light a candle. Or I can't worship unless I say a certain creed. Not until I do something like that can I truly worship God. And I want you to understand something. This is the mindset of so many people. It has been the mindset of people going back millennia, and it is the mindset of people today. I mean, it's the mindset of the the woman at the well. It's the mindset, again, of so many people in God's church. But understand, and this is what we're going to unpack here, and that is worship is not about the external. It is about the internal. And you might want to write that down. It is not about the external. It is all about the internal. That's what it is. And so then with that said, we see the words of this woman then, don't we? And she wants to worship God. Now, convictions come to her life. She knows she needs a Savior. She wants to praise God for His love for her. And again, she says to Jesus, So where do I go to do this? My forefathers said worship is accomplished on Mount Gerizim. You Jews say it's only accomplished in the temple in Jerusalem. So where do I go? That's what I want to know. Where do I go? That's the question. Now, when she asks a question, do you think Jesus is going to answer the question? Of course he is. He's going to answer the question. And he begins to answer the question beginning in verse number 21 and going all the way to to the end of verse number 24. So let me do this. Let me just read the entire answer that Jesus gives her, and then we'll come back and we'll look at this. But after asking that question, starting in verse number 21, Jesus then gave the answer, and this is what the text says. The text says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will follow or will worship, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, let me say, but right here, we have what we could call the most wonderful, the most revealing scripture in all the Bible regarding true worship. It's right here. And this is, again, what we're going to begin to look at this morning. We come back next Sunday. We're going to go even deeper into this. And the reason we're going to spend two Sunday mornings on this is because we need to truly understand what worship is. We've got to get it right. And so many times God's people are not getting it right. 
we need to do that. We need to get it right. And so today, again, we scratch the surface here. But as we do this, and as we walk through this, let's do this. And first of all, let's look at verse number 21. And as we look at verse number 21, again, look at the words here. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. Now we're just going to stop right there. Woman, believe me. Now, let me say, these are important words. You say, what words are important? How about the words, believe me? Jesus says, before he gives her the answer, he says, believe me. Now, what do those words mean? Well, they mean a number of things. First of all, they mean, don't miss what I'm about to say. That's what that means. What I'm about to say is very important. That's what that means. But then also, when we look at these words, the obvious meaning, as you just look at them, it simply means we are to believe all that Jesus says. We're to believe all that he says. Nothing that he says are we to ignore. Nothing that he says are we to take lightly. His words are important. So when Jesus speaks, we listen. They are always true. And we are always to believe his words. This is what's being said here. That's the obvious meaning. But something, again, that we need to hold on to and something that we cannot miss. Believe all that Jesus says. Right? Yes. Yes. But then moving on. Back to verse 21. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So Jesus addresses what? He addresses the two locations that the woman brought up, right? That's what he does. He brings up Mount Gerizim. He brings up Jerusalem where temples were located. And really what we have here, and don't miss this, but in the midst of the first part of his answer, he's giving prophecy. There's prophecy here. Jesus speaking about something that is to come. And what I mean is, you notice that Jesus says, the hour is coming. Do you see that? The hour is coming. In other words, something's going to happen. That's what he's saying here. And that something is, because we might want to ask, well, what is the something? The something is something that is going to take place about 40 years down the road. From the point in time that we see Jesus and the woman at the well, about 40 years later, when? What's happening? AD 70, when Rome comes in and totally destroys the temple in Jerusalem. Why? All because of the uprising by the Jews that began in AD 66. That, that's what's transpiring or will transpire. That's what Jesus is talking about. But then not only that, understand this. At the same time, that same Roman army would make their way north to Samaria where they would do horrendous acts, slaughtering thousands and thousands of Samaritans on the Mount of Gerizim, the Roman army doing that. But that was coming. And Jesus makes this point. He makes the point that these places of worship, one day, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone. And understand, but what he's doing is he is beginning to make the point that places like these temples, they're not necessary for worship. I mean, one day they're going to be gone. What are you going to do then? That's what he's saying. And the worship of God, it, it's not about a place. That's the point. It's not about a ritual. It's not about a ceremony. And he makes the point by saying the place or, or places that you think you need in order to accomplish worship aren't even going to be here much longer. They're going to be gone. But now with that said, he continues his point, verse number 22. Look at it with me now. 
We go down to verse 22. Again, the words of Jesus. He says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Now, we stop right there. And let me say, but this is a very interesting comment that's made by Jesus right now. And I say that because as you study this, you come to find that Jesus right here is simply making what we could call a critique. A critique. Specifically, a critique about the Samaritans' religion. And understand the purpose of this critique is to make the point that the woman and her religion, it's all about for her, she's been in a false religion. She's been in a false religion. And since it's it's false, she can never experience, never experience true worship. And again now, if you look back at verse 22, and when Jesus says to the woman, you worship what you do not know. Right here, what he is saying is, when you worship, you don't know who you're worshiping. You don't know what you're worshiping. I mean, your religion has so many gods in it, you don't even know who you're worshiping when you think you are worshiping. Now, by the way, this is a very harsh critique, but that's what he's saying. Very harsh, but he wants to make it known. You being embedded in a false religion, when you think you're worshiping, you're not worshiping. You're not. But then you go back to verse number 22. You notice Jesus continues to say this. He says, then we, who's we? We is speaking of the Jews. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, we stop right there. Now, let me say that this, again, is a very interesting statement that he makes. It's a very clear statement, though. And all Jesus is saying is the Jews know who to worship and what to worship. That's what he's saying. It's clear. Now, understand the reason that the Jews know who to worship, what to worship, is because, what does he say? Salvation is from the Jews. Now, we ask the question, what does that mean? What is Jesus saying when he says, we know how to worship because salvation is from the Jews? Well, understand this, twofold answer. Number one, number one, Scripture, the truth of God's Word, who was it given to? It was given to the Jews. God gave it to the Jews. Where is it that we find the truth about salvation? It's in Scripture. So the Jews have the truth about eternal life. Now, the very hurtful thing about all this is, for the most part, they ignored what they had. They ignored the truth. But they had it right at their fingertips. They wanted to know how to have eternal life. What did they have to do? All they had to do was read the Scripture. They had the truth. But then here's something else that we need to remember. Not only that, but understand that Messiah, He came from Israel. Messiah, a Jew. Jesus, who? A Jew. And so, not only did the Jews have the truth of Scripture and the truth of eternal life, but right from their own people came the Savior. And they had Him. The true Savior. The way, the truth, and the life was from the Jewish people. And so with that being said, Jesus is simply saying here, understand, the Jews, they know who to worship. And why is it that they know who to worship? And how is it that they can know true worship? 
It's because of this. They have the truth of Scripture and the Messiah came right from their people. They know this. But now, also, let me just say a couple of other things here before we then move on. But understand, Jesus here is not saying that salvation is only for the Jews. He's not saying that. Salvation is for anyone who comes to faith in Jesus. We have to remember that. But then also remember this, and that is, again, even though the Jews had the truth in their hands, oh, how they perverted it over time. Man's laws got in the way. Man's ways got in the way. And it was all just perverted. But again, they had it right there. So as we begin to open up this text that deals with true worship, we see the first thing that's brought out is true worship doesn't require a place. And again, there is the thinking of so many that in order to worship, you need a church building or you need to conduct some type of ceremony, some type of ritual. But that isn't so. Jesus was very clear about that. But now, with that said, we're just getting into all of this. So, so much more to bring out about true worship. And we're going to do just that the next time we come back together. But until we do, may you have a blessed day. Live for the Lord Jesus, love him, and share him with somebody else. And we will see each other again as we spend time in God's Word.